0: Pastor Ed Taylor says, beware of lust. It's not going to end well.
1: Believers, if you allow lust and sexual sin to be a part of your relationship, death will always follow. Your reputation will be destroyed. Your joy will wither. One in two marriages these days are ending in divorce for believers and unbelievers. Why? Because of lust, because of sexual sin, because things may not be going so well and somebody gives you attention or you're, it's not from the Lord. It's not his heart for you. It's not as hard for your relationship or for your kids. It's not.
0: This is a messing grace. This is a failing love.
1: Glad you would take my place.
0: Can look back on your life and notice that what started in lust ended in a wreck. Perhaps it started with flirtation at the office, and before you know it, you found yourself in a place you never thought you'd be. Today, on Abounding Grace, we'll be urged to flee lust as we recall a story that started in lust and ended in murder. Pastor Ed Taylor opens 2 Samuel chapter 13, where King David's son rapes his half sister sexual
1: sin is a sin against God. It's one of the few sins in the Bible. A sin against God, a sin against the person you're with, and a sin against yourself. Your own self. Those are bad signs to see in a relationship. Tamar is in deep mourning over this rape, which is understandable. And all the consequences she's going to face Absalom comes along and says, don't let it bother you. He doesn't understand. But even here, you guys need to think ahead. Absalom kind of, don't let it bother you, but this, he's beginning to plot right now to get revenge. Now he's not going to handle it properly. And David's family is a mess. You just got to understand something. If you choose the route in any way of sin, you got to understand where that's going to take you and the people that you're gonna wreck along the way. And I don't just mean sexual sin, you could be a massive gossip right now, talking about people behind your back, behind their back, I should say, and you're ruining reputations, you're ruining people's walk with the Lord, you're causing so much damage, and you're ruining yourself. You walk away thinking, well, everybody likes to talk to me, they just wanna know what you say, but they don't tell you anything, you know why? Because they know if they tell you anything about their lives, you're going to go tell somebody else. So you don't even have a real relationship with anyone. I can go, we can go through all sorts of common sins that are sort of not, you know, sexual sins. pretty big. It might have, I dare say, that it's going to be directly to few people tonight, a few people listening in on the radio. Not everyone in the room. Everyone, in the, you know, many in the room are just, it's a warning. It's not our current condition, but it's a warning to watch out for. It could happen in marriage too, folks, where you're at that workplace and that girl's kind of pressing in hard on you and things are not going so well in your home and, and, and you're just like, you've got to understand the enemy's setting you up to destroy you. You hold fast to your covenant with your husband and your wife. You single ones, you hold fast to your covenant to the Lord and you make sure that your life is as close to Jesus Christ as it possibly can be. You walk in the unity because now the whole family of David is just upside down. Now look, verse 21. Then when King David heard of these things, he was very angry. Yeah. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. His oldest son raped his daughter, and of course he's upset. But still, the Bible records that David does nothing a failure as a dad in this case. I believe David's crippled by his own condemnations. I think that plays into it. He felt as though he really didn't have the right or the authority to address the sin in his own son's life. And listen, parents, this is very, very important. You you have to address the sin in your kid's life no matter what your past might be. You have to address the sin in your kid's life no matter what the perceived cost might be. You have to. It is your responsibility. God has placed you as the spokesperson to speak the truth to your kids. Of course, you're going to love your kids unlike anyone else, so it will be done in love, but you can't just ignore the sins in your family. You can't just pretend they didn't happen. And the worst, you can't justify the sins in your own family. Your love of God and my love of God has to trump my love of my children. I will never really be able to love my kids very well unless I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. Then I love my neighbor as myself. And David needed to address this sin. He needed to stand up for his daughter. He needed to do the right thing. If you're walking strong with the Lord, good, because it helps strengthen the truths of God, God's word in their lives. And you can speak with great authority when your life is, is solid with the Lord. But even if your, wife, your life is not solid with the Lord, you still have to address the sin in your kids' lives. And maybe the sin in your kids' lives will get you back right with the Lord you got to do it because we're finding more and more in our own church family the devastation of kids lives at a much younger age and much of it's directly related to their inability of their parents to do the right thing when that's the expectation of God or to recover well from a failure because we all fail even if you're not doing well you must share the truth in love with your kids we need men and women Who have courage to speak the truth? Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and every role that we have, we need to choose holiness. And David fails here, verse 23. Came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazar, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. One thing, by the way, that you, it says that two years passed. I think in two years, Amnon thought he got away with it. Because isn't that what happens when you justify your own sin and things seem to calm down and there's no more friction and there's no, it's all calm and, and a lot of people, they'll, they'll misinterpret calmness as approval of God. And Amnon, I bet he thinks he got away with it. But he didn't. You'll see in a moment. And it says in verse 24, Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant." But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, let us be, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged them, but he would not go, and blessed him. And Absalom said, If not, please, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? And Absalom said, Because I want to kill him. Oh, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> See if you're reading with me. <laughs> and Absalom urged him. And so he's let Abnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now, Absalom had commanded his servant, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, there again, I, I challenge you guys, I challenge you guys to study scriptures and mark every time um, there is wine or alcohol. I mean, really, it's wine in that time involved. And when people get drunk, if it was a good end result. Alcohol is nasty, man, it's a drug. Just like marijuana, it's nasty. I don't care what the government's saying, it's nasty. It destroys people's lives. And it, you know, he waited. He didn't wait till he wasn't looking. He didn't wait till he was asleep. He didn't wait till, you know, he was his his he was in another part of the room. He waited till he was merry with wine. Or he couldn't control himself. That's when he waited. He says, When he's merry with wine, when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. I've commanded have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. Two years later, that's when the occasion for revenge came up. Why? because when you're sinned against, and you're sinned against, and it has unresolved, and and there's no desire for resolution on the other side, if you are not careful, you will become a bitter, angry person, and bitterness and anger will defile you and everyone else around you, and bitterness is always looking for an occasion to get back. You've got to walk in forgiveness and the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit. And even if forgiveness is extended, but it's not there's no repentance and there's no change, the forgiveness is not only releasing them from the debt, but it's releasing you from a life of bitterness that in two years you come back and you destroy someone. You don't want to do that. You don't want to nurture bitterness. It will kill you and other people. And that's what's happening here. Life pretty much went back to normal. Amnon thought he got away with it. Not so, and he's murdered by revenge. Another true story that started in lust and ends in murder, just like his dad. Because his dad, while repentant, lost his edge. We have another evil, self-righteous man, a broken-hearted dad, a depressed sister, a dead man, a couple guys that are accessories to murder because they followed their boss, did what their boss told them to do. Not only does sin bring death but lust is always followed by death. Believers, if you allow lust and sexual sin to be a part of your relationship, death will always follow. Your your reputation will be destroyed. Your joy will wither. And one of two marriages these days, and now I probably, I haven't looked up a new, but one in two marriages these days are ending in divorce for believers and unbelievers. Why? Because of lust. Because of sexual sin. Because things may not be going so well and somebody gives you attention or you're, it's just, it's not from the Lord. It's not his heart for you. It's not his heart for your relationship or for your kids. It's not, it's not. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse nine, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. A huge percentage of divorce is due to sexual dissatisfaction which is based on premarital activities and pornography. Not only that but it's also based on what seems to be harmless flirtation and then moving in that direction of flirtation with someone other than your husband or your wife. And then you start factoring in alcohol and drugs and maybe because of the circumstances of your life. you made some decisions and you feel like you maybe got married early as a young person younger than normal or you had a child out of wedlock my wife and i walked down that path we had a child in high school and as you're watching that child raise and you're trying to make the right right responsibilities of course we weren't saved but there's always that lie you know i didn't get i lost my childhood myself while I'm raising my own kid. And then when you get a little bit older and you have a marriage and you're making things right, it's not easy, but, it's, but you're doing it right. And then you start thinking, well, you know, I think I want to go back because I didn't get to party like my friends. I want to see how it is. And you don't heed the warnings that it's not good. The party scene is not good. It's not helpful. If you need proof, I can probably arrange for you an interview with a police officer from our congregation, specifically one that works nights. And he can tell you what a typical night is like. She can tell you, I can connect you with somebody in our church that works at the lockup. They can tell you what they deal with every night. Perhaps we have a judge in our midst. I can get you a, and if we don't, I can find you. I will, if that's what you need to convince you, that's how serious I am, I will find a judge that will have lunch with you and tell you about the cases. Maybe a family court judge. That has to deal with all this nonsense after a divorce and see the kids crying and trying to help them with a little teddy bear that might give them a sense that it's okay. And, and it doesn't because they just want their mom and dad to do the right thing and be together. If you need to be convinced, I will find high, I will search high and low to find the person that you need to talk to that will convince you that the path that you have currently chosen is not from the Lord and it will lead to death every single time. Pornography is ruining your current relationship and anything in the future. If you are currently with another man or another woman than your husband or wife, it needs to stop like right now. You need to pick up your phone. You need to call them. It's over. And then you need to change your number and you need to reconcile with your spouse. And maybe you need our help and we'll be here to help you. We have a whole team of pastors here to walk on. We have, we have people with testimonies of radical transformation in their lives. Radical Things, if you heard their story, you go, oh, no. If you didn't know the end, you go, that's never going to work. They're never going to recover from that. And there they are. They're right there telling you their story. So you know something happened. God is working in their lives. Beware of lust. And that's the title of our message. The title of my message that I didn't share in the beginning (laughs) is Flee Lust. Paul would tell young Timothy to run away, flee youthful lusts. It's not, it's not going to end well for you or me. And don't think for a moment, that would never happen to me because you got one foot in that direction. Of course it would happen to you and me. Given the right circumstances, the right timing, the devil would love to destroy my life. And that's why, friends, I make it a high priority to get away however I can with nobody able to get a hold of us, not even my kids to invest time in my wife I live a very demanding life I have a very demanding ministry Marie is also involved in serving my kids are serving the Lord and have their responsibilities and if I don't continually affirm my love to my wife that will not be a good ending and I, I don't want the end of my life to be a crash-and-burn front-page story of another pastor falling into sin. So I'm not just teaching you. i like, okay, everybody, watch out. It's, it's really, hey, all of us, we need to watch out because your life really does matter to people. It really does have connections. People really do. They may never tell you, but they really do depend upon you. Your, your fidelity really encourages them. Your testimony of singleness really blesses them. They'll never tell you because they're so prideful and would never admit it. But your life walking in the Lord, even though it's a big conviction to them, it's also very attractive to them. They want what you want. They just don't want to pay the price. Is that you today? Where you do really want to be right with God? You do really want to do what's right. You do really want to avoid sin. You really do want to be the kind of man and the woman that God has designed you to be. But you don't want to pay the price. Listen, you don't need to pay the price. You might have misunderstood the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has paid the price for you. That he has shed his own personal blood, God, in human flesh, hanging on a Roman cross, bleeding and bloodied, His face so destroyed that if you didn't know who was hanging on the cross, you wouldn't be able to identify him. He was so mangled, so destroyed. And he willingly laid his life down for you, willingly submitted to the will of God in order to sacrifice his life on behalf of you. And what's required of you is to turn away from your sinful past. The Bible word for that is repent. God wants you to turn around from your sin and submit your life to him, and it's never too late. But you're not going to get there trying, and you're not going to get there with all your effort and the old college try, and I'm going to give my best effort. Is actually what God is looking for is no effort at all. He's looking for surrender. Your situation will not improve while you're trying to make it right. God will improve your situation as you trust him with with the end result here, David's family is just so wrecked. In verse 30, it says, He came to pass while they were all on the way that news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. And now they're lying and exaggerating. That is not what happened. So the king arose and tore his garments, lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by their clothes. You know, I just think in this story, just like anything, sin always begets more sin you know, now other people are lying, and every people are involved, and, you know, it's just, it's a wreck. And it says, the king arose his garments, verse 32, Jonadab, the son of Shimeiad, David's brother, answered him and said, let not my lord suppose that they've killed all the young men, the king's son, for only Amnon is dead, for the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister, or his raped his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord, the king, take the to heart to think that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead as if that was okay. Then Absalom fled. I mean, this family's also surrounded with a lot of people that don't love them. That just don't care. It's not the kind of people you want around when you're grieving and hurting and going through stuff. And this poor family is surrounded like people that just don't care. Absalom runs away. The young man who was keeping watched his eyes and, and looked or lifted his eyes and looked, and there, verse 34, many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind them. Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said it, so it is. And so it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's son indeed came. They lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amun-Ahud, the king of Gushur. Uh, David mourned for his son every day. And Absalom fled and went to Gesher. It was there three years, and the king David longed to go to Absalom, for he'd been comforted concerning Amnon, concerning he was dead. Absalom takes off, runs for about 80 miles north to the area of his grandparents. It was a place of safety, no doubt, part of his plan all along. Jerusalem, back in Jerusalem, David's mourning the loss of his son, wondering what's happened to his other son. And in Gesher, Absalom isn't done. And you guys can read ahead if you'd like. But in Gesher, Absalom begins to plot the taking down of his dad, who he now sees as weak. Because he didn't take care of the situation right there. It's just a wreck. And as we learned previously, there are those corrupt in heart that see a person in pain and use it as an opportunity to take advantage of them. Instead of loving and caring and helping, they see weakness as a chance to destroy a person. And it was five years before their father, this father and son would see each other face to face again. And even when they do, Absalom completely hates his dad and wants to destroy his dad forever. And it, it's, a, it's a broken, wrecked family, the rest of our study in Second Samuel. And, and yet, still, even in the brokenness and the wreck of it all, God's glory is still... He still works through it. That's the good news. He still works through it. But it's going to be a sad few chapters. And if you have a really deep family situation right now, you just need to keep praying. And just make sure you're not the one that turns. You just keep your eyes on the Lord. Just keep firmly fixed on Him. Don't let the circumstances in your life make you into someone that God doesn't want you to be.
0: You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and part of our study in 2 Samuel. You can go online to hear today's message again. Visit calvaryaurora.org or purchase a CD copy for just $2 by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now has been the victim of sexual abuse, just like Tamar and maybe they're really struggling. I want to give you an opportunity to pray for them.
1: I do want to take you up on that opportunity, Larry, because sexual abuse is so painful. And if you're listening to me right now and you have been abused sexually, abused physically, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it happened to you. It's not God's heart for you and it's not God's will for you and you know, if you are if you are in the in an abusive situation right now, get to safety. Be in a safe place. Please ask for help. Involve the authorities. Do whatever you can. But if you are still reeling and and being affected by the traumatic issues of sexual abuse, I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you. Please ask for help. There are people that are trained to come alongside of you, especially with the Word of God, to comfort you and encourage you and administer the healing balm of Gilead, as the Bible says, just the healing of Jesus in your life. He's the great physician. Father, I do pray for those that are the victim of sexual abuse, physical abuse, abuse of of all sorts and types, Lord. it's, It's just devastating what man will do to man, what we've done, and how far we've been and how far we've gone from you, Lord. And even those listening in, would you minister your healing in their lives, please? God, would you touch them and remind them how valuable they are, that they are not the words that have been spoken to them. They're, they're not the, they're not what how they've been beat down and even literally physically or sexually hurt. They're so much more valuable, so much more important. And would you relieve the burden, Lord, as you promised rest. You said, anyone that's heavy laden, come to you and you'll give us rest. And they truly do need that rest and protection, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Just think what would happen if we prayed how Jesus taught us to. No doubt we'd be more bold and persistent. This month, we're pleased to offer you an excellent book written by Manny Mill called Radical Prayer. In it, you'll get a glimpse at the power of prayer according to God's will. And I think you'll be left encouraged to pray more expectantly with persistence and boldness. We'll send this to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more. Here at Abounding Grace, we're thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to share the Word all over the country. But we can't do it without the support of our listeners. If you'd like to stand with us, please call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to CalvaryAurora.org. Sometime today, download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps and listen and learn to more great Bible teaching wherever you go. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed Taylor picks up what we left off in our study of 2 Samuel next time on Abounding Grace. Set aside another half hour to join us for more Bible study and application. This is amazing grace.